Broadcasting live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette. Two hours of sports talk like none other. Footnotes with your host, Kevin Foote. Welcome into Footnotes. Kevin Foote on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers. And the world champion Houston Astros, the game. Hotline is 706-0111. Simulcast on Stadium 32.3 and 133 on LUS Fiber. The game hotline again is 706-0111. If you would like to get in on this Wednesday, National Signing Day. It's just, uh, for people like me, it's a little complicated. Uh, it have been, you know, a little le- little more hectic on the front side, a little less complicated on the back side. Had the bowl game already been played or was played like that one year? Man, didn't have a bowl game until like January the 8th or whatever year, whatever day that was when they played the one in, 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 uh, in Mobile, but uh, and that's been since moved up, but it's um, kind of hectic all this week. When it's old, when Friday's over, it'll a lot of it will be over. We'll have kind of done everything, but uh, wow! I mean, it's just a little after nine o'clock. The number I was kind of looking at was twenty-two. There was a name that really wasn't part of that expected twenty-two. Xavier Coleman, the defensive tackle from Picayune, Mississippi. And so, you know, it might get all the way up to 23. We'll see. As of now, there's 19. And so, you know, we'll wait. Um, uh, Defensive lineman Anderson, Jara Anderson, is a possibility. Um, Ty Stamey, tight end. From Spring, Texas, uh, another possibility we'll see. And the one that I was kind of worried about, because you kind of were hearing chatter that a lot of other schools were in on him, was is a running back from Riverside. So those are the names. That was the one I was the most like, hmm, I'm just wondering what's going to happen there. And he's one of the three or four that were committed that we haven't, I haven't seen verification of yet for the. For the Cajuns, and so we'll kind of see if that happens before uh, we leave, and um, I'll be heading to Shreveport shortly. So it is. Um, we'll, we'll, we'll monitor that um, nationally. The big news of the day is the passing of Franco Harris, and it's just so bizarre. You know, I had a friend bring up to me yesterday or the day before might have been yesterday that that how this week is the 50 year anniversary of the immaculate reception and i've obviously seen that play many many times i don't believe i don't have a specific memory of seeing it live it's i guess it's possible that i did because I was certainly watching football in 19, I was six years old. But I, I, I don't really, if I did, I don't really have a specific memory of watching that game. Um, in my mind, you know, that's a Stalin-Hitler game. 
um, two teams did not root for. I didn't really, I, I would say I was more anti-Raider then than I was anti-Steeler in 1972. But those are both Gestapo teams to me. And so I did not I did not root for either one of them. Um I don't remember, like I said, I don't I don't think I was watching that play live, not that I remember. But anyway, I've obviously seen the play many times. But like they have this they, you know, if you haven't heard, like did they they were gonna retire his his number. Um you know they were going to have this big fancy ceremony, which I'm, which they may still do. It's just going to have a little different light on it. In other words, it was going to, um, they were going to have a fancy ceremony Friday. I mean, the raid. Like, if you think the NFL schedule is done by random, then come on now. Like, like stop thinking that they have total control of this thing. This idea that some of y'all have, and I've heard people, well, it's just random. No, it's not random. It's not random that the fifth the week of the 50th and it's cool in this instance. It's not random that the week of the 50th anniversary of the Immaculate Reception that the Raiders are playing the Steelers. That didn't just happen by accident. Oh, the computer ju- it just fell that way. No. You know, it's not random that the in week one, Russell Wilson played against Seattle. That didn't just happen because the computer spun it out that way. No. They have total control over who plays when and who plays when. Now, they might allow some of it to be random, but they can control any of this stuff. So all the unfair scheduling that the NFL does, again, they've got most of the country buffaloed. It's like like a, you know, uh, some sort of dictator in a third world country. They just say stuff and everybody just buys it. They have total control. When they're in, when the schedule is unfair, it's because they're okay with it being unfair. They could easily change any of this junk. And, and, and examples like this, which are great examples, like it's a great thing that the 50th anniversary of the, uh, of the Immaculate Reception, that the Raiders are playing the Steelers and that they can manipulate it that way. But if you can manipulate that for the cool factor, then you can manipulate it to be fair to teams as well. Or you can manipulate it to be unfair as team to teams as you wish as well, which happens on a regular basis. So that's just an aside. They call that chasing rabbits. But anyway, um, they were going to have this big ceremony and they were going to all be around from what I understand, like the actual place, like the field doesn't exist anymore, but they know where the actual place was and they were going to all all the you know the living members who were part of it I think Frenchie died didn't he I think Frenchie Fuqua was dead but um but obviously Terry and then uh, as of yesterday Franco was still living and and they were going to all be there and they were going to um you know be there at the actual spot and and in the museum they have the actual piece of turf where where he caught the ball they have they you know they have all that so they were going to be doing this big ceremony i mean it's just going it's just so strange so strange and then and he was doing all these interviews yesterday and uh, i don't know this morning i heard Brooke Pryor who who covers the steelers and he's on e- she's on espn and she was there and you know talked to him she said for like a half hour yesterday and 
everything seemed fine, and he was very cordial, and she told his great story how, you know, this young lady walk up and her, and her family, and he was educating them and, and telling them about the 70s and, and football and the start of the Steeler dynasty and all this great stuff. And then you wake up this morning and, and he died. I mean, it's just – and so, and it, to anyone's knowledge, he didn't have like this lengthy illness or anything. I mean, who knows? But it's just crazy, kind of bizarre. Franco um, – Frenchie Fuqua is still living? Man, I must have dreamed that one too. How do I dream that all these people are dead? Frenchie Fuqua is still living? Yeah, according to the Wikipedias. By the way, what a great name. Frenchie Fuqua. Great, one of the great names in, in NFL history. But anyway, um, Franco is a very interesting character in that, in, in one way, you know, he was largely criticized in his era for being a guy that runs out of bounds and avoids contact. And, and and people in that era kind of made fun of him for that, or the people that were not Franco fans. Obviously, Steeler fans probably didn't do this a whole lot. But the people that were anti-Franco or anti-Steelers um, did that quite a bit. And it's funny that fast forward to, to this era, you could argue – he was a little ahead of his time because that's kind of the way you play football now. Like you don't the the you know back then it was about you know being tough and physical and it and it kind of still is, but now you don't really want guys taking unnecessarily hit hits. We know so much more about concussions and and you want to stay healthy and guys are injured all the time and guys don't play. Um, Guys don't play as injured like they used to back in that era. So you you know, now no one would think anything of it. It's the way you play football now. If you don't have to take a big hit, you don't take it. You get out of bounds. You just run out of bounds. Like he was he was ridiculed by some in his era for being a guy who runs out of bounds. And he was a big guy. So, that you know, he wasn't like a little Terry Metcalf kind of a back. He was a big physical back. And yet, even then, I guess, you, again, I, I guess you could say he was a little ahead of his time and that he was totally willing and, and to just run out of bounds and avoid the con. I'm not saying he never ran over people because he did. And they were known as a physical running football team. But he was a guy who would run out of bounds and, and, and instead of, you know, taking that one extra hit. And, again, that's how football is played now. And so it's just interesting how that, how, how that um, knows all about that. Well, maybe that's what we can call – maybe that's what we can call Mark Ingram now instead of Superman, call him Franco. He knows how to run out of bounds. Of course, Franco, I don't think, ever ran out of bounds short of the first down marker. Franco, he was smart enough to run, you know, out out of bounds in front of the first down marker. 
So uh, yesterday I had two people tell me, you need to get over that. And I'm like, it's going to be a long time before I ever get over that. <laughs> uh, if God keeps me alive, and it will take God to keep me alive for another 20 years or so, I, I think I'm still going to say I, I, I will not have gotten over that. Uh, that 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 was that was absolutely brutal. Absolutely brutal. So um No, it that was it's again I'm not I didn't grow up a fan of Franco Harris or the Steelers. But, um, you know, it seems like he was a nice person and a nice man and was certainly a, a, a very significant figure in the history of the NFL. And um, just really bizarre how all of the timing of all of it and, and, and how it happened. Well, I don't, we don't really know how it happened. I haven't heard any details on how it happened. But just the timing, and again, that he was doing all these interviews yesterday, and everything seemed fine, and they were talking about going into a big weekend where they were going to honor this incredible play and how it's it's just, by the way, it's amazing. And I've said this before. That was one of the shining examples of it's amazing how many quote-unquote dynasties began with fluky luck plays. Fluky luck plays um you know like the cheaters you know with, with, with the quarterbacks throwing the ball out of bounds and the guy catches it and just fluky luck plays um I guess you could say the Cowboys had all, were already well they had already won a Super Bowl so the Hail Mary was not the beginning of a dynasty but it certainly perpetuated a lot of it but uh it, it, it's amazing um the the Patriots dynasty began with with you know cheating fluky luck play cheating play, uh you know it, it it's amazing how often that happened. All right, we will take a timeout and come back and if we have any updates to give you on National Signing Day, we will and and if you have any comments or questions or about it certainly feel free to call us on the game hotline and but we will start we haven't really talked about Saturday's game with the Saints yet so uh, I have a few thoughts that that hit me yesterday I've been trying not to think about it but it's it's getting to be a fascinating theme here uh, with the Independence Bowl with the cages on Friday and then the Saints on Saturday Uh, Some pretty similar themes there that we can start discussing next on The Game. Helpful holiday tip number 12. Use caution when adding bourbon to your eggnog. Everyone likes a good time, but no one wants to see you have a pants down, face down in the yard good time. Okay? This helpful holiday tip brought to you by your family at The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. You're a mean one, Mr. Grinch. You really are a heel. Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foot on the game, Southwest Louisiana Sports. 
Station your home for the LSU Tigers and world champion Houston Astros. Um, We have got lots of, uh, if you have kind of not kept up with what's going on with the National Signing Day and the signings. Uh, I'll try to rattle off here a list for anyone who, um, you know, was. it's a pretty long list for the Cajuns. I mean, it's just 922 as we're speaking here, and they've already got 20 signed. I was thinking or hearing around 22. It might get up to 23 signings uh, before the the end uh, of the day. We'll see, but... um, it's not very difficult, as we talked about, to see where the kind of the um, the emphasis is. So far, they have one running back, J.B. Haynes from uh, Woodlawn of Baton Rouge. And again, he's more of a scat back type guy. Uh, he's only 5'9", 175 pound, lightning quick. They had gotten a commitment from Elijah Davis, they, whose name is Bill. Uh, which is funny to me. I don't know that whole story, but he's from uh, Riverside Academy in Reserve near New Orleans. He Again, he was the one that I had the most questions about coming in because a lot of other schools are on him and um, still have not gotten, at least I haven't seen yet, that, that they have actually gotten the paperwork in on him. Wide receivers, three of them, Tavian Smith from Hattiesburg, Mississippi, he went to two different junior colleges, most recently at Jones Junior Community College in Mississippi, and he's a guy that played on a state championship football team at Old Grove, and the Cages recruited him out of high school. It didn't happen. He went to a junior college, and now they're getting him again. Again, big guy, 6'2", 208, kind of along the Kyron Lacey kind of kind of replacing Kyron Lacey's body type or skill set a little bit there. Uh, Kadarius Wade, also from Mississippi, Callaway High School in Jackson. And he's another big guy, 6'4", now real thin at 180, but uh, 6'4". And A.J. Jaro uh, from Frisco, Texas, another big guy, 6'5". So they're getting a lot of big receivers. Um which you kind of like. But again, the heaviest, there was some wide receiver emphasis, no question. The other thing that's heavy emphasis is offensive linemen. As of right now, they've got five offensive linemen, more of an interior, uh, Cooper Fordham from Jacksonville, Florida, Matthew Broussard, uh, big offensive tackle from uh, Thibodeau at Edie White, John Bragg from Austin, Texas, uh, offensive tackle, Xavier and Xavier Xavier Brown, I should say, spelled very uniquely. X Z A V I E R. Wow. I got a chance to speak to him. Great young man, and six seven, two ninety five. His high school coach from Ashdown, Arkansas, just raves about his character. Straight A student and uh, tremendous. And then uh, another offensive tackle, Kareem Harden from Fort Lauderdale, Florida, um, via. Butler Community College. Uh, two tight ends, Ty Stamey and Caden Jensen. And again, Caden um, Jensen is from Flower Mound, Texas. Uh, you know, some some Cajun athletes and other sports have been from Flower Mound, Texas. But, um, you know, 
there's some tight ends that are leaving, uh, and a Lumpkin, one of them. And so they're, they're going to need to replenish the tight end, and, and they've had some that have kind of fallen off um, you know, in, for injuries and other reasons, so they needed some of that. One of the other commitments that we haven't gotten verification of yet is Jara Anderson, a defensive tackle, but they have gotten defensive tackles Kadarius Miller from Mississippi, uh, Mason Clinton from another one from Mississippi, from Petal, Mississippi, as well as Xavier Coleman, who was who was one that I didn't really have on my radar is expected to sign today from Picayune, Mississippi. And you wonder, I wonder, and it may not have anything to do with it, but if he was, if somehow Anderson is not going to sign and Coleman was a replacement for him. I don't know that, but I was just kind of thinking out loud there. We'll see how that plays out. Maybe they'll get both of them uh, even better. But, no, they really needed to replenish a defensive line as well. And edge guys are – some people are not really considering defensive linemen, but you could in that group. There's three edge guys, Trey Fight out of Texas, Chase Edwards out of uh, Texas as well, and Lance Williams out of Holy Cross High School in New Orleans, the other – the other four that have already signed a dotted line for the Cajuns, Jeremiah Moses, great name. I mean, what a great name, Jeremiah Moses, especially for a cornerback. Uh, Micah Johnson, linebacker from Parkview Baptist in Baton Rouge. Dalen Sibley, athlete basically is what he is, uh, linebacker out of Lake Charles College Prep, and a safety out of Evangel in Shreveport, Cody Jackson. So if he likes cold weather, I'm sure he'll be at the game. On 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 Friday. So as we speak, and again, this stuff can change. Uh, we've got uh, we've got uh, twenty signees already. They're no longer commitment signees to the Raging Cajuns. Now, coming from McNeese, you have a couple more. We were at eleven. We are now at fourteen with a hopeful number fifteen as uh, Jamari Evans, who is from East Mississippi Community College. He has put up a picture online of him with a signed emoji and him in a McNeese uniform so we're waiting on him his commitment to <clears throat> his sign from McNeese but so far from the latest we have Jonathan Harris a wide receiver at 5'11 171 pounds from Mississippi Gulf Coast Community College he has signed we also have Glenn oh sorry Kylan Armstead a linebacker 6'5 211 from Hines Community College where she just had uh, Boogie Silvera who is <clears throat> from what a name right it's a fantastic name. He is from Charleston Southern University. He actually played against Hines, so we have some rivals coming together on the same team. We also had Terrence, or as he says, TJ McCants Jr., defensive lineman, 6'3", at 225 from Shadow Creek High. And again, as I said, we have Jamari Evans, who is hopeful to sign soon. I love great names, and uh, the Cajuns have a few great names here uh, among their among their signees. But no, it, it, it's you know, you, what you like is great players. Coaches don't care about names, but but guys like me, sports writers, we we kind of like cool names and uh, yes. make me sound like McNeese had a few of them. Yes, we also now have up to four now for LSU. They now just signed Jalen Brown from. A, Gulliver Prep from Miami, Florida. He is a wide receiver, so it's as a another another wide receiver for them. They also have got a QB sign, um, another. We had a, a linebacker, and then where's the other guy? There he is, and a safety, uh, Michael Darty from Grayson from Lawrenceville, Georgia. So we have a couple LSU guys 
coming in, not as many as uh, Cajuns and McNeese. So we have about um, over 30, almost 40 people off signed so far for all three of our teams. But as always, we have updated on the game. All three, I am currently actually updating McNeese right now, but all three will be constantly updated throughout the entire day, assigning day period. All righty, so we wanted to get you up to date on that as quickly as possible uh, and as often as, as we can uh, see updates. But, um, again, if you have any thoughts on any of that, McNeese, Cajuns, or LSU, certainly feel free to give us a call on the game hotline. As far as Saturday, you know, We've been talking about the quarterback situation as it relates to the Cajuns. I mean, the Saints all season long. And me and, you know, I'm not alone. A lot of people are not really in Andy Dalton's camp and not wanting Andy Dalton to be the quarterback, not understanding totally why Andy Dalton is the quarterback, although for the most part, Andy has played way better than I expected him to be. I give him credit for that, no question. But this is a game, in my mind, unless we're really getting bad reports, and I don't, you know, considering the time of the year it is and where the Saints are playing, I don't see how it could, it's a very believable report. Like, they're talking 30-mile-an-hour gust. They're talking 9 or 10 degrees and wind chills in the minuses. Wind chills in the minuses. So, in my mind, this is a game where Batman needs to play quarterback. Like, I don't know if they, I don't know from a whole, preparation standpoint or from a um you know does he know the playbook I, you know because he, he didn't really prepare most of the season as a quarterback like he did in recent years but if it's all man, and and look I'm not saying it would and what I let, let's say Dennis Allen totally believed everything I'm saying I'm not saying he has to play take every snaps but but he this is a game where he should take the majority of the snaps. Like, what good is Andy Dalton going to be in this weather? What good is he going to be? Can't run. And throwing is not going to be a big deal. I mean, how much are you going to be able to throw in this weather? I I I just don't see it. Uh, is this an extra one? So we're hearing uh, LSU. Yes. Just- Offensive lineman signee DJ Chester. From Eagles Landing Christian Academy in Conyers, Georgia. So LSU just added an offensive lineman, DJ Chester, just to keep you up to date. Look, I've been screaming for almost two years now, about a year and a half. The Saints need an NFL running back. And they've been needing them all season. And now here we are going play an ugly football game in brutal weather and they have no running backs like what good is z28 gonna be in minus wind chill on an ugly field in an ugly city on an ugly lake like what good is he gonna do 
Seriously. I mean, he rarely breaks tackles in perfect weather conditions. How is Z28 going to be an effective runner in that on Saturday? The Saints are going to a game. They don't have an NFL running back to play an old-school NFL football game on the frozen tundra of whatever they call their field. I mean, how, like, Benjamin is bigger. He's got a little size to him, I guess. Is he ready? Are they going to trust him? And they picked him up last week. He didn't play. They put Johnson in. He fumbled. I mean, they're going to trust that guy? Like, who are they going to trust? They don't have an NFL running back. Boy, it'd be nice to have Latavius Murray. I don't know what they're going to do. So, to me, this is a game where Batman needs to play quarterback. Like, forget about all, he can still throw the football. I mean, we act like he can't throw the football. No, is he an expert passer? No. But there's going to be nothing expert. Nothing is going to be style or grace or expert accuracy and efficiency and precision about Saturday's game. It is going to be an ugly, brutal, physical football game. Play. It's going to be a 1950s, with all apologies to Norm Van Brocklin, it's going to be a 1950s kind of NFL football game. And the Saints don't have any running backs. Oh, my God. What are we, what are they, they don't have any real NFL running backs. Like, I don't even understand how they're going to play this game. If they really plan to have the same offensive game plan with Andy Dalton taking 90-something percent of the snaps, And a seven-on-seven back in the backfield, running up the middle. Like, I don't even know how this is possible. Like, they're going to get demolished if they do that. Like, completely demolished. Now, on the other hand, if they do the right thing, and please, if Batman stay healthy through this game. But, I mean, if they run Batman at him, and the fullback a few times, and I guess is Benjamin going to be available? I mean, is he? He's got some body size at least. I mean, I don't know if you know Benjamin has ever played that in that kind of weather. Forty-one is useless in this game. What's he, what's he going to do? What's forty-one going to do in this game? They, they need an NFL running back. And they don't have one. And to go and play 1950s football when it was all about the running back without an NFL running back. Now, again, Batman is the great wild card here. If they're smart, Batman plays quarterback. What do you need Andy Dalton for? What is he going to do in this game? And look, I hope 
I hope Andy Dalton play. If he plays, he plays great, and he proves me wrong, and he throws two touchdown passes, and they win the game. But I'm just saying, if the weather's like their vision, like I'm envisioning this to be, I, I don't, I don't, I don't know how. I mean, they just, I don't know how they're gonna do this. Now, what the weather can do is is get it to where the first one to fourteen or the first one to seventeen wins the game, and it might be tough to get to fourteen or seventeen, and maybe. They can pick up a fumble and run it back for a touchdown. They ain't forced. It seems like they ain't forced a turnover all season long. But maybe they can do that and they can get a miracle victory and it'll be total luck and I would take it in a second. But I don't know how they're gonna play. They got no. They got. They're playing an old school football game without any running backs. That's gonna be interesting. Batman needs to play quarterback in this game. I don't know if they're smart enough to do it. But Batman needs to be the quarterback in this game. We'll take a timeout. We'll be back with more on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and the world champion, Houston Astros. Helpful holiday tip number 36. Your precious little ones should receive a few boxes of boring clothes under the tree. Yeah, they'll surely be disappointed, but that helps build character. This helpful holiday tip Brought to you by your family at the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back. And I agree. I echo the sentiments of that last little commercial or promo or whatever it's called. Give them clothes. Things that they can use. Yes. Practical. Mature. I'm all for it. Less clutter. Not stuff they're going to play with for two days and then never look at again and just clutter up their room. I'm all for it. I should have wrote that one, even though I didn't. Welcome back to the game. Footnotes want to remind you tonight from 6 to 7, the McNeese Coaches Show presented by Maplewood Burgers, line of bed out of Westlake and the Southwest Louisiana Law Center. Our buddy Jim Gazzolo will be talking about National Signing Day with the Cowboys head coach, Coach Goff. Uh, again, so tune in tonight starting at 6 for the McNeese Coaches Show right here on The Game. 103.7 Lafayette, one hundred four one Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. And we've got, uh, at least I was given confirmation, that um, Elijah Bilfarshart Davis, Sign with the Cajuns. And again, so that gives the Cajuns two running backs, more of a third down kind of back. And Javion Haynes, speedy 5'9", speedy back out of Woodlawn and Baton Rouge. And Elijah Davis is a guy who, um, let me see, I had it here, and then now I don't have it. Let me get it again. This is a guy, he only played 1A football, but he rushed for – 1,963 yards and 34 touchdowns. Also had two touchdowns receiving. So he had 36 touchdowns this past season. Um, Obviously, he was the district MVP in District 10-1A. So, wow, uh, pretty productive back. And you never know how small school backs are going to adapt to that next level or how long it's going to take, but he's an interesting one. I also have a couple. Uh, Jamari Evans spoke about earlier. He has now officially has signed. He's a defensive back at 5'10", 204 pounds from East Mississippi Community College. 
We also have for the <clears throat> Cowboys Cameron Thomas from Mississippi Gulf Coast Community College. A lot of them guys are coming to Cowboy Nation. He's a running back at 5'8 and 170 pounds. There's a couple of running backs, a lot of wide receivers, and a bunch of DBs so far for McNeese. And then also coming from LSU, we have Mac Markway. He is a tight end from Deschmet Jesuit in Missouri. And he is coming all the way from the Missouri over to Baton Rouge. And, of course, we talked about G.J. Chester as well from Georgia. All right. So trying to keep you up to date on kids who sign with the three programs that we focus on the most here at the game. I mentioned one national story, and I know we're talking mostly about local national signing day today, and we should be. But the the other major national story that we woke up to today, the first one, if you have not heard, Franco Harris, Hall of Fame running back from the Pittsburgh Steelers, uh, really shocking uh, news. Um, I don't know if it was late last night or this morning or whatever, uh, but since we went to bed last evening, uh, passed away, and on the week of the 50th anniversary of the Immaculate Reception. Just really bizarre. The other big news is Carlos Correa, we woke up to this news sometime late last night in a Cleveland Browns, Art Modell leaving for Ravens kind of a way. <laughs> Just really bizarre. Is now a member in the New York Mets. He had signed with the Giants, and I was looking forward to him torturing the punks um, and now apparently he's going to be torturing the Braves and the Phillies fans. Um, a lot of people are like, all right, what's going on here? We started hearing some stuff yesterday afternoon or last night that there was some medical issues. Look, Carlos Correa has not had a healthy career so far for a relatively young man. So, to believe that there were medical issues, not that far-fetched. But the way this happened, a lot of people are speculating that this was, they had they had buyer's remorse. But again, why, why sign if you didn't want to sign with them? And supposedly, just hold, I mean, you can talk to them, but just put it off. I mean, there was no major rush. Supposedly, he really likes Lindor, and Lindor really likes him, and that that was the only team he'd play third base for. And long term, it's going to help him playing third base, uh, as opposed to shortstop. I think, but it's um, he is a fantastic shortstop. I'm just telling you. But he, um, no, really bizarre. I, I think. I think. The speculation by a lot of people, and it's just speculation because none of us know, we're not there, is that he had buyer's remorse. He basically tried to back out, and the, the oh, he failed them physical was just the, you know, the easy way of, of saying it to make it look good. I, I don't know. And it doesn't really matter. I mean, again, he, he's had very few seasons where he didn't spend a significant part of the season on the on the DL or the IR they call it now, but um, for most of my life it was called the DL, so it's hard for me the disabled list, so it's hard for me to not say that. But um, whatever you call it, he was out, and and so again it, he he's rarely been in healthy, 
for the course of a season. He wasn't healthy this season. So when you hear, well, there's some medical concerns, I, I don't doubt that at all. I mean, the cat had a bad back early in his career. Like, that's not a good thing to have. So if he does play the vast majority of the next decade at third base as opposed to shortstop, that's probably good for him, even though it's not good for his ego maybe, but it's probably good for his long-term viability from a physical health standpoint. Uh, you know, it'd be kind of like moving a guy from center field to left field or center field to right field. Probably a good move long term. So we'll see. Maybe someone got to him and convinced him of that. By the way, um want to remind you. No, we are. We I already did that. That's my mind is. It's almost gone. Just trying to get to Saturday. Just trying to get to Saturday. And then what happens Saturday when I feel like I could... <sighs> then the then I have to watch the Saints play and they don't have an NFL running back and they're playing in 1950s frozen tundra weather and without a running back. I mean, I don't know how they're gonna do it. Just gonna play the game. How they gonna? How, I'm, I've given up on if they're gonna win or gonna lose. What plays are they gonna call? Like they don't have a running back. And by the way, Eno Benjamin, I, I wasn't thinking I should have. I knew this, but I, guess where he played. His college football, Eno Benjamin. Where? Arizona State. So how much frozen tundra did he experience at Arizona State? Oh. And I don't even know if he's ready to play. I mean, they signed a guy like a week and a half ago. He didn't do anything last week. In 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 the dome. I I I how are they going to play this game? Like, who is going to – what plays are they going to call? D- this moron better not try to throw the ball 40 times in the frozen tundra because he has to because he doesn't have a running back because he's not smart enough to play Batman at quarterback. That better not happen. We'll take a timeout. We'll be back on the game. Oh, welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foot on the game. Want to remind you. If you use Alexa or Google Home Speaker to help you out around the house with things like lights and thermostats, why not also use it with radio, especially the game? Just ask your Alexa or Google Home to play the game, Southwest Louisiana. It's that easy. So do the smart thing and have the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles with you, home, office, everywhere you go. So, we've been talking about National Signing Day. I probably should count. I think we're up to 21 now. Is that the right number for the Cajun signees already? I mean, it's not even 10 o'clock yet. Um, But the number's up above 20 for the Cajuns. And and so, they didn't waste any time. The the kids that committed to the Cajuns getting it in and – Again, we're waiting um, on a couple names that were commitments to see if they're going to sign mainly defensive lineman uh, Jarrah Alexander uh, out of Cypress, Texas. I I don't know. Again, I kind of wonder whether the signing of Xavier Coleman, the defensive tackle from Picayune, Mississippi, is a replacement for him. I don't know that, but we'll uh, we'll kind of wait and see how that plays out. But still, you've already got 21 
signees already before 10 o'clock. So even if that's all they do today, I mean, th- their goal is to get to 25. It won't take a whole lot to add four more between now and February to get to that goal of, of, of 25. Or, uh, and so we'll um, we'll kind of play that by ear as it goes on. But, no, that was um, – Again, remember, a year ago, it was a very different deal. They only signed eight guys in the early period last year because because of COVID and, you know, it just it, they didn't have that many spots because uh, you had a lot of guys getting that sixth year um, that normally never, you know, that never happens. And so when they originally were putting together their whole roster, you know, two and three and four years before that, they had no way of knowing COVID was going to happen and all these guys were going to get a sixth year. And so they didn't have as many spots last year. Well, this year they plan on, you know, signing the full 25. And, you know, they, they're not big. Coach Dez is not a big transfer portal guy, but I would think at some point they'd add at least one or two to fill some holes. That's it for the first hour. Another hour to follow on the game. Broadcasting live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette. Two hours of sports talk like none other. Footnotes with your host, Kevin Foote. Welcome into Footnotes. Kevin Foote on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and the world champion Houston Astros. Simulcast on Stadium 32.3 and 133 on LUS Fiber. The game hotline is 706-0111. 706-0111. It's been kind of a, I don't know, day a little bit of unexpected. Did not hear, did not expect to wake up to the news that Franco Harris had died and certainly didn't expect to wake up to the news that Carlos Correa is no longer a member of the San Francisco Giants like all signs pointed to when he they announced a signing or an agreement. Uh, I guess we all look at that as a mere formality and here's another example of it not being a fear, mere formality that you know, there's still, when we talk about the paperwork, it's kind of like the difference between a commitment and a signee. And um, instead, Carlos Correa, unless this falls through again, I mean, as well, is going to be the starting third baseman, it appears, for the New York Mets. Again, third baseman, because they signed Lindor to one of them crazy $300 plus million contracts the year before. And, uh, and so now Lindor and Correa are going to be playing side-by-side on the left side of the infield for the Mets. And, of course, the Mets have spent an unbelievable amount of money this offseason. You know, they signed the, the Japanese pitcher. They signed Verlander. Uh, and, you know, they signed Quintana. I mean, they've got a rotation. They've got a lineup. They just have to stay healthy and not let the game beat them, which the game is powerful enough to do. And so, wow, wow. The Phillies spent tons of money. The Braves are still really good, and they do it a, They do it more like the Astros do it. Um, and, and the Mets are throwing money like crazy at people. That division is going to be uh, really interesting next year. And we've talked about National Signing Day. Got you caught. The Cajuns are up to, I believe the number is 21. 
Is LSU at like six or seven signees now, I think? Uh, and McNeese is up around 15 or so, it sounds like. Yes, we actually, uh, LSU just signed Kai Preen from St. James out of Bella Rose. So that <clears throat> Louisiana. is. And he is a wide receiver. And do you know the number? That makes what? That should, that makes six. Okay. And I began the process of trying to figure out how in the world the Saints are going to play offensive football in minus wind chill degree weather up in Cleveland on Saturday without a running back. <laughs> I don't know how they're going to do it. Uh, I, 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 you know, again, I think the solution is play Batman at quarterback, but I don't know if they're going to do it. I don't know if they're smart enough to do that. But let's go to the game hotline. Hello. Oh, good morning. Good morning. Man, that it's just one of those seasons, Kevin. You know, hey, uh, Penning's coming back for the first time. Hey, we got McCoy back. Great. Uh, Ruiz is done for the year, you know. It's unbelievable. You know, though, go ahead. The pinning, you brought up pinning. This is actually a perfect game to play pinning because pinning's problem right now is pass protection. And, uh, you know, pass protection is not going to, it's, it's going to be part of the game, but not nearly as big of a part of the game. Pinning is more of an old school throwback offensive lineman. Just, you know, play, he plays rugby essentially. And, and this is going to be a rugby type football game. So I think this is a perfect game to start pinning. Yeah. Well, I'd be all for that as far as the run game. Cause uh, whether, I don't know if they're injured or playing or not, but, between uh, Jadavian Clowney and especially uh, Miles Garrett, he's one of the top three or four pass rushers in the league. You don't want to throw the ball 40 times just because of him. You know, that's like, it's stupid because he's going to beat whoever your tackle is most likely. But, uh, and then Penning's not really starting. He's playing as the six-slash-heavy offensive lineman. But, uh, you know, it's just like a, the same thing with uh, the season started. We looked horrible. But we have clashes on offense, and then the offense is putting up points and numbers, but the defense is a wet paper bag. And then the defense starts playing like they should, and the offense can't score a point. It's just so frustrating whenever it's like, all right, we plug this hole. Nope, here comes another one. And oh, sometimes that's football. That's just the way it goes. Uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's tough to go through. But, again – I'm hoping that I don't again. I don't know how they're going to call plays. I I I, I don't know what they're going to do. But what I would do is just play tackle to man to football with, with Batman and have him throw balls every once in a while and hope they can get one or two big plays and win the game fourteen to thirteen or something. The other thing about this game is how is Will Lutz going to make a field goal? The cat can't make it in the Superdome. How's he going to make a field goal in, on the frozen tundra with wind chills minus uh, zero? Well, I'll address those two things. There's a there's a million things I want to say, but it's, hey, there's only so much time in a segment. But I'll say with Will Lutz, I'm kind of giving him a mulligan this season because he, he was out with a surgery the entire past season. And you see this with players, whether they're suspended or injured and they haven't played in a while. It takes them some time to kind of get back into the groove. And uh, uh, for Will Lutz, I'm, to me, like this whole season's a mulligan. or uh, 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 This is basically his rookie year. And next year, if he continues to struggle, then I'm then I'll be concerned. But I think Hartley did the same thing. Like Hartley was kind of wishy-washy, and then for a season or two, he was 
clutch, and then all of a sudden he was nothing. But then with uh, Hill, I don't know if maybe if they could have gone back in retrospect, if knowing that Jameis was going to be out the whole year or whatever. Uh, and I don't think Hill was totally capable of playing the entire season healthy. But uh, we would have been much better off, like, when Drew got hurt in 2020, or was it 2019, where uh, Hill played however many, five, six games and went five and one. Or you could look at it kind of like like the Denver Broncos in 2011. Dennis Allen was the defensive coordinator for that team. That was the Tim Tebow, Tim Tebow mania year. Yeah. And, like, if you, if you played with Taysom Hill – it's kind of like that. You're gonna you're gonna win a lot of close games. You're gonna have a lot of if your defense can play dominant and your offense is pedestrian. Well, it's it's a, it's a formula. You know, it's not. But again, I, it's it's there's so much about it. It's just so hard. But uh, there's definitely if if they retain Dennis Allen, obviously he's got to make a certain whether it's personnel or coaching. He's got to make some changes. And uh, like I said, there's so much to talk about. It's so hard to. But and they got to do it, and, he, and he's got to do it. He got to change some things yeah, yeah. about himself as well. Yeah, I'll let you go. But whenever you talk about we need a running back, you know, uh, we really ideally you want three running backs. The the three headed monster. If you use a baseball, it's not apples to apples, but to use a baseball analogy, you kind of want a starter, a reliever, and a closer. You know, and uh, we don't even have one. So we we got a lot of work to do, and I'm going to let the season play out before I make any predictions or say I want this or want that. I just I get sick and tired of people regurgitating. It's the national, you know, whatever. It's it's the same thing you talk about every day. It's the QW society we live in. Yeah, so absolutely. Right, thanks, Kevin. Thank you. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Yes, sir. You too. Um and look, I, I know some people have got, they've told me they get offended, or I don't know if offended is the right word, but they disagree with me when I say the Saints don't have a running back. Like, when Armand says a three-headed monster, I'm fine. And, I, I mean, again, I, it's not like I want him to get rid of Z28, but since year one, I've been saying, this guy needs to be what he is. He's not a dump truck. I'm okay if one of the three-headed monsters is him. And I agree he's more of a running back than Darren Sproles was. I agree he's more of a running back than Reggie even was. I agree with that. But I still want to preserve him. When I say he's a seven-on-seven football player, I want him to largely be a seven-on-seven football player. I want to preserve him and have him do unique things. But you have to include that in your offense. He's not being treated that way. He's, they, they, they run him like he's a dump truck, and he doesn't hardly ever catch any passes down the field like a seven-on-seven football player should. And then now they're going into the frozen tundra. I don't have any running back. I, I just if if Andy Dalton drops back to pass for thirty times Saturday, I might absolutely finally lose my mind. I mean, I might be just be totally gone. Some say I already lost it. Let's go to the game hotline. Hello. Uh, did anyone mention Gunter Cunningham? Um, no. Did he, uh, um, wasn't he a head coach? Then uh, they hired someone else, and he 
was demoted to uh, D.C. That does sound familiar, yeah. I'm yeah. not mistaken. I think that took place, man. Yes. I think you were correct. No, I'm just saying, I don't, I don't think Dennis Allen's going to do that. I hear a lot of callers say that, you know. But uh, but that has been done, though. I do remember some people say, oh, you know, that's unprecedented. But, no, that has happened. And I could I could actually see Dennis Allen doing that, especially if Casper comes back. Okay. Yeah, I could. Think I think they're good enough for relationship there, so that they they would do that. Yeah. I guess I could be wrong, but I I could be right. I don't know, um, but I kind of remember. No, that. that does sound familiar. Yes, sir. All right. Thank you. Thank you. Um, and again, even right, we'll have to look that up, but it. Does see sound vaguely familiar, but no. Again, I don't know the the deal. It also, you know, the the thing with Dennis Allen. The I think the two big things now that the season's almost over. It's not over yet, but I think the two biggest things that they just don't have this year. And again, they didn't really have it last year because they didn't have the personnel. But they had the mentality, at least. The two things that Dennis Allen just, if he's the they've got to do better. He's got to be way more anal about fumbling. Like, they have never fumbled like they fumbled this year. That's been one of the most unsung reasons why the Saints have won so many games in the last, when Genius, when uh, Casper the Quitter was here was that they didn't fumble the football hardly ever, and now they fumble like it's nothing. And the other thing is they just don't have any killer instinct at all. Like, there's no killer instinct at all. And that's, again, sometimes it got Casper in trouble, but at least he was getting in trouble with aggressiveness. And most of us can live with that a little bit or at least understand it. There's just no killer instinct at all on this football team this year. Within within series, within plays, within games, within quarter. It's just they just don't have a killer instinct and they fumble way too much. That's the two biggest things. All right. Let's go back to the game hotline. Hello. Hey Kevin. Uh, I don't know if you saw that post game uh speech that Tennis Allen gave in the locker room. But like, did you watch that? I did not. It, I, 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 I can't. Just, I, I, just I check just, it out. It's too upsetting. But like, it, what an absolutely just deflating. Like, I don't know, man. That dude cannot. He cannot rally people. Uh, it, it's just, it's so depressing watching, watching stuff. Anyways, so like uh, earlier, you were talking about how like, uh, someone asked you when you're gonna give when you're gonna. Uh, get over the Mark Ingram play, and he said never. It's like, <clears throat> I'll never be able to look at another play where someone's running towards uh, the first down and ever again, the same ever again. You know what I'm saying? Right. I agree. It, I mean, like, it completely changed the way I look at football games. I, I don't know, dude. It's, Oh no! Every, like every time, time somebody every time runs towards running yes, for a first yes, down absolutely. and they get it in like a crucial situation, my stomach might drop, dude. Like, I'll be sick. You know what I'm saying? Anyways, so um, this whole Jalen Hurts thing, 
don't know if you heard about it, right? Like he, he's injured, and some people are saying it could be serious, or it might it might be more serious than than they're letting on, right? Uh huh. So wouldn't it be funny if the Eagles made the play uh, Super Bowl again with another backup quarterback? Oh man! And, Can you and, imagine that? And and it would be a Mike Leach disciple. Yeah. I mean, what right. a wacky year. I mean, these storylines potentially are just wacko. I mean, it's just crazy, but I don't see that happen. I'm not a big Gardner Minshew guy. I, that would be shocking yeah. because he. I'm just. I'm even surprised he's the backup quarterback because he's so different than Jalen Hurts. Like, you got to change your, your, so, such a huge part yeah. of their offense leads to me. Right. Yeah, you probably you, you would have to get someone kind of in the mold of Jalen Hurts and run the same offense, you know? Kind of like uh, it, it was weird. Uh, there was a game a while back where Tua, when Tua got hurt, right, and uh, they put Teddy in, and he's running all these plays from a left-handed quarterback perspective. Even his rollout was weird. You know what I'm saying? Yes. It, it's it's kind of similar to that. Anyways, I just thought it would be funny if the Eagles were to make the Super Bowl with a backup quarterback again. Yeah, I don't see how that's going to happen, but it would be hilarious, yes, and it would be fitting with this wacko season. I appreciate the call. Thank you. All right, we got to take a timeout. We'll be back on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and the world champion, Houston Astros. Helpful holiday tip number 24. Do not buy your wonderful wife a mixer or knife set or any other kitchen item. Since she puts up with you all year, she deserves jewelry, you filthy animal. This helpful holiday tip brought to you by your family at the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foot on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and the world champion Houston Astros. Well, all signs point towards the Cajuns are done. It's not even 10.30 yet. And so they're going to have 21 signees. As we thought or suspected, Jarrah Anderson is the one that of the commitments that they had that they weren't able to to get signed, but they did essentially kind of replace him with defensive tackle Xavier Coleman from Picayune, Mississippi. So you've got 21 signees in the early signing period. That will leave four for the next um, stage of that, which will be, again, the traditional first Wednesday in February, LSU has added Kyle Parker, wide receiver from Lovejoy High out of Allen, Texas. All right. Let's go to the game hotline. Hello. 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 Go ahead, sir. Hell, how you doing, man? Thanks, Good. Man. Good. Uh, you said words exactly right, man. I remember watching LSU right after the coach left and not seeing the fight in their eyes to be a team. I don't see the fight, and you're right. You're exactly on point. I don't see the fight. They just don't have that killer instinct. I don't see the fight, man. That fight is, you know what, a team could be losing 
and the team cannot have uh, the right quarterback, the right running back, but still have that fight. I don't see the Saints having that fight, man. No, Thank you. I appreciate it. Thank you very much. And before we get back to it, I want to remind you about, again, we're talking about all these freezing temperatures, but many of you or some of you might start thinking about uh, beaches in Gulf Shores, Alabama, for the Hangout Music Festival, May the 19th through the 21st, the Red Hot Chili Peppers, Calvin Harris, Paramore, Lil Nas S, and many more. Again, if you would like to win VIP passes, you got to plan ahead. If you would like to win VIP passes for this beach vacation, which afford you opportunities like exclusive viewing areas, stage side pools, hot tubs, gourmet food, etc., you need to go find out more about the Hangout Music Festival by going to the website 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com today. So, the Cajuns are done at 21 for their signing class. Last we heard, LSU was at 9. McNeese was at 16 signees. And so, it's a, you know, these cats are in hot pursuit. There's not a lot of waiting like a lot of years. It seems like a lot of kids of getting their 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 paperwork in very early in the morning, which is good. Good for all involved, really. And it's pretty good. We also uh, actually are now at 17 for McNeese as one of the late commitments last night. Nate Glantz, a quarterback at six foot two oh six from Iowa State, he is now recently signed for McNeese and for LSU. We just recently had Kyle Parker, a wide receiver out of Allen, Texas, from Lovejoy High School. It's a very different kind of high school to be Lovejoy. I don't yeah. the kind of name to be a name of a school. <laughs> but that has come out of LSU, so now we are at 9 and 17 for McNeese and for LSU. One of the cat can punt. You can call him Clay Parker, but old <laughs> LSU player. Ah, makes sense. Yeah. Makes sense. All right, so again, it's been a busy day. Got lots going on nationally with the big news of Franco Harris dying and Carlos Correa, which uh, there's going to be a lot of discussion on both of those fronts around the country um, this weekend and moving forward with the Carlos Correa situation. And, of course, here are a lot of news locally with National Signing Day for the Cajuns, Cowboys, and Tigers, and you know, we talked about it yesterday. With Coach Murphy is on, but remember, it's it's not that it's not every day that a Cajun athletic team plays a top ten team in the country. The Texas Longhorns are ranked seventh nationally in both major polls, and the Cajun men's basketball team playing at Texas tonight in Austin at the Moody Center. Man, it, that's the second. Don't I think didn't SMU call their facility the Moody Center? Seems like it's the second time this year that the Cajuns have played at something called the Moody Center. But, um, you know, we'll see what happens in, in the game. I mean, the Cajuns, the Cajuns are, are, are shooting 50% for the season as a team, and they're playing a very defensive-oriented team who do not allow teams to shoot 50% from the field. I mean, that just that just kind of doesn't happen for them. And so it's going to be kind of a clash of the Cajun strength, which is shooting the basketball, getting good shots, and making a high percentage of them against a team that just doesn't really believe in giving the other team good shots and doesn't really believe in 
giving the other team high shooting percentages so or allowing the other team to shoot high shooting percentages. So that's going to be an interesting contest. Again, it's it's at a weird time because, you know, if if college athletes are anything like me right now, I'm ready for a break and for that Christmas break, like really, really, really ready. Like uh, I might like just, you know, hit a wall and fall down and never get up kind of ready. But uh, I'm sure they, you know, obviously in way better physical and mental condition than I am. But um, if if you this is not a game where you can afford to be looking ahead to the Christmas break. I mean, this is a deep. This is probably the best defensive team the Cajuns are going to play all year. More than likely, it is not even probably. I mean, it's. I doubt that they play another team as good defensively as this team all season. And so, you know, this is going to be quite a challenge for them tonight at Texas, and we'll see what they do. Again, if they lose, not the end of the world, but um, certainly not the end of the world. But what a what a tremendous victory it would be if the Cajuns can somehow pull it off. But we'll see um, what they do in that. And then, of course, tomorrow we'll be talking a lot more about the actual Independence Bowl. We talked some yesterday, certainly with Cody, and we'll be talking more about the Cajuns and how they can maybe win this game. I mean, it lot, you know, the weather's going to be very unpredictable, both in Shreveport for the Cajuns Friday night and Saturday afternoon for the Saints in Cleveland. And so it's kind of hard to analyze these games because you just don't know exactly if the weather's going to be as bad as our imaginations are saying it's going to be right now. Southern people hate hearing about wind chills below zero like we, could be the case in both Shreveport and in Cleveland. Um, and so it's hard to know how to really handicap these two games because we you just don't know if the weather's going to be as bad as it sounds like it could be and or will the Saints and the Cajuns handle the weather better than we think that a team from New Orleans and Lafayette would handle that kind of weather. Uh, just really um, just really don't know. And so we'll talk more about the actual football game for the Independence Bowl tomorrow. And, again, we won't, we won't be having a show on uh, on Friday or Monday, so it'll be our certainly our last time to um, to analyze that. But again, if you have not heard, uh, the Cajuns have 21 signees, and that'll be it for the early signing period. Um, and LSU is up to nine, ten, nine, and McNeese is at 17. So. Pretty productive already by 10.30 in the morning for the Cajuns, Tigers, and Cowboys. And obviously LSU will be getting a lot more in the uh, later. And that's not unusual for SEC kind of powerhouse programs that they would, uh, you know, try to be getting more guys to come in later. So um, not that far. I'll be heading to Shreveport. And so we um, will take a timeout and come back with you on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and the world champion Houston Astros. Helpful holiday tip number one. Remember to actually leave milk and cookies for Santa and not some hipster healthy option. 
The big fella is holly and jolly for a reason. This helpful holiday tip brought to you by your family at the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foote on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. You're home for the LSU Tigers and world champion Houston Astros. Want to rem- Before we get to a special guest, want to remind you uh, to join the Game Rewards Club. If you have not done so yet, by going to 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com, if you join, you'll be eligible to win a $150 gift certificate to Mr. Lesser Steakhouse at Cypress Bayou Casino Resort or a $25 gift certificate for Mabel's Kitchen at Cypress Bayou. But you can't win any of those prizes or many others as the year goes on if you don't join the clubhouse. So do so today. It's free. It's simple. Sign up today by going to 1037thegame.com, 1041thegame.com. All right, we have with us UL women's basketball coach Gary Broadhead. How are you, sir? I'm doing great. Good morning. Good morning. After Monday's game, you spoke about how you kind of like to take a Christmas break and enjoy your your um, your players to do that. We we spoke with a UL men's assistant basketball coach Mike Murphy yesterday. He agreed the same. So, it, it, I mean, I'm sure you're looking forward to this Christmas break. Yeah, I think everybody is. You know, we've been getting after it for a while now, and you know, with practices and kind of playing what 12 games so far. And, you know, you want to, uh, you need a little break because you know the most important games are coming up. You know, you got 18 coming up right at the first of the year. So it gives them, you know, a few days to kind of wind down, spend time with their family, and then, you know, you get back, uh, you get back started, you know, and you just hope you get start, started on the right foot. So, uh, you know, I've, I've, you know, been here 11 years and we pretty much did it every year, you know, to where we give them a few days off and, and kind of wind down. And I, it helps the coaches, players, everybody, you know before you get back started. So it's, I think it's a good, great thing for them, you know, for the kids to, to better get away. There's no class or anything. So they, they really, really get to spend some time uh, with their family. All right. So Monday's game, um, you know, you ended up winning by 31 points, and it's not so much about that. But do you feel like as you look back at the game, you played the game without Destiny and without Sherry, your two point, point guard and floor leaders, and obviously – the fact that they weren't there showed up in the turnover category. But looking back, I know it was sloppy and probably hard to go through, but is there anything that you gain or you think you got better the experience of playing without them? Yeah, I mean, you you learn two things, that they're really good and they really kind of get the offense going. And both of them are pretty good defensively too, you know. But just the offense, you know, they kind of keep it flowing and, you know, we can run more sets with them than, you know, we had to kind of keep it a little bit simpler uh, without the, you know, with the younger point guards. And then, you know, by moving, you know, Lene over and uh, Nubia over that, you know, see how comfortable they would feel. So that was the tough thing. But the other thing was, you know, we know we can press, you know, with those other kids. You know, they're pretty good at putting pressure on the ball in the full court and all that. And I thought we defended a lot better the second half. So, you know, going back this morning and watching some film and stuff and, you know, it was a little bit better the second half. So, you know, they're going to get better. And so there's some potential in that standpoint to where they can maybe buy some minutes for, you know, Destiny. And, you know, we can move kids around and stuff like that. So hopefully hopefully that'll help, you know, down the road. we got to get a little bit more point production from the inside game. We know that. 
And so that's a work in progress. But, you know, it's going to be all about matchups, you know, how we match up, especially with some of these new teams in the conference. All right, so I'm assuming there there is no reason to believe that Destiny and Sherry will be fine for the conference opener, correct, a week and a half from now? Yeah, that's that's the projected. You know, we, we're looking at that both of them will be back uh, on that Monday that we come back for practice so and ready to go, you know, so that's going to be a big big plus for us, you know. Uh, and then Ashley Jones, Ashley Jones, that's going to be day by day. We'll, we'll see how that goes with her ankle and stuff like that. So we, you know, we could use her because we could play her at the four-five position and and try to get her going and and maybe play a little bit of small ball with that uh, in that situation because she can score a little bit from the inside. So, yeah, I don't know how that's going to work out. with the two uh, Destiny and, and Sherry should be back on that Monday, on the twenty-sixth. Monday was the first time I got to speak with uh, Jalen James. She was your second, your second leading scorer. She had 15 points and seven rebounds and three assists and a steal in that in that game in 27 minutes. And, you know, a lot of times we don't think about injuries. And, and she was very honest when I asked her, you know, she sat out last year recovering from knee surgery and still has a big brace on her leg. Just to getting up and down, the, I was a little surprised by that. So, uh, you, it's obviously it seems like it's is it's still mental with her a little bit just getting over that injury. Yeah, you know, and I think what's taking a little bit uh, longer time too is you know being that she missed last year, not only getting comfortable but also kind of learning what we're trying to do. I thought you know her being with us all last year, she would have been a little bit more advanced. But when it comes down to like running plays and you know kind of understanding our defense, she's just a little bit behind and. You know, we try to tell her not to overthink it, you know. And, you know, I mean, she did a pretty good job last yesterday, you know, uh, rebounding, and she's aggressive on the boards. And sometimes you got to let those kids just kind of play through things. And Hopefully, that's why we've been playing her since the beginning, you know. We've been just kind of throwing her out there and, and see how it's going to work out so she can you know, she can catch on and, and play. And that's what Destiny and Sherry do so good with her. They can kind of help her direct her on the offensive side and the defensive side, like coaches on the floor. So, yeah, and she's a pretty honest kid. You know, she can tell you like it is. That, that's what I like about it, too. But you know, coming back from the injury, you know, it's been a long process. But, you know, she really does look good uh, as far as for the, her knee and all that and getting in better shape and, you know, confident. You know, I thought she shot the ball better last night. So that's what we need her to do. You know, we're going to need her to do some scoring. I thought the best part of the game was seeing Lene make 10 uh, out of 14 shots from the field, three of four from three-point land. Y'all are going to need that kind of scoring and offense and her playing with confidence. And if she got that last night, then the last night was certainly worth it. Yeah, no doubt. I think her risk is feeling a lot better. You know, with the MRI and all that, just showing like it's a sense. It's no muscles or ligaments or anything torn. So I think that in her mind, you know, a lot of times uh, – when you talk to a shooter like that, any little thing's not right, you know, it kind of throws them off. But I think that kind of helped when we did, uh, we got the results of that at MRI and it was showing just the smallest assist. So and they're saying she can play through it. So, so I think it's going to help. I mean, she's three for four from the, from the three and then her free throws were pretty good. Uh, two for two. And, you know, I mean, 10 for 14, we'll take that every night, you know, I mean, she's, you know, and, and she can do other things too. She defends well. I think, uh, to me, it's, uh, it's a shame that she's got to make shots to be a little bit better on the defensive side, but that's kind of human nature for those shooters sometimes. The better they shoot, the better they play across the board. So we're hoping to kind of keep her consistent. 
Monday night is what I should have said and meant to say. Now, also, it seems like a big a big thing moving forward is there's a there's a couple players that it just seems like they're gonna have to get more aggressive to reach their potential. Uh, Tamara's even one of them. I mean, you know, in Monday's game, she took a little bit of a backseat, which I didn't have a problem with because it was a game you feel like you were going to win and you obviously ended up winning by 31 points. But she's going to need to be more aggressive, perhaps Kyra at times. And Mariah Stewart, it just seems like it's going to be about getting those girls to be more aggressive. Has that been more difficult than you thought it would be? Yeah, I think so. You know, I thought, you know, like you see them in practice and they look like a lot more comfortable and then you put them in a the game, you know, without the game experience, it, it doesn't, uh, you know, it doesn't show up, you know, and Tamara is such a great player, man. She just, you know, sometimes she does, she, she, you know, she's, she has to kind of let the game come to her, you know, and I think the turnovers last night kind of threw her off a little bit, you know, she was kind of throwing the ball all over at the beginning, you know, just not as focused as she usually is. Cause man, at practice, I mean, she's, she's so focused and, you know, easy to coach, and you know she wants to she wants to please, you know, and that's that kind of kid. And you know, Ren's kind of the same thing. You know, Ren Ren's just not confident in her scoring. You know, even around the goal, she's not that she's not a confident kid. She wants to play defense. She wants to rebound and block out, and she wants to be kind of you know the inside presence on the defensive side. So you know, she's just never always playing behind Todd. Probably hurt her a little bit. You know, and we just need her to come out and be a little bit more consistent. You know, it's just and, – and, and a lot of them that haven't played, you know. I mean, we, you know, with Brandy Williams now out, you know, somebody else has to step up. And, you know, we brought Nubia in to kind of help us. And, you know, she didn't shoot it as well last night, but she's getting better, I think. And we're going to need her to do some scoring. So, you know, across the board. But I think when you have those quarterbacks, you know, you look at, you look at football, you know, you look at, you look at what Des and him did in football. It's like, you know, he started with one quarterback, went to another one. Now he's back at another one. Those quarterbacks are so important. And our point guards are the same way. The way we run this. I wish we could run a system a different way without a point guard, but I've never found a way to do that, you know. And, you know, I think Destiny is one of those, you know, Jake DeLome kind of quarterbacks where she can manage the game a lot for us and makes everybody around her better, you know. So, And I think Sherry will get better at it too. So hopefully when we, when we get those back, we'll, we'll look like more of a complete team. It seems like you're in a kind of a it's just going to need to flip the switch situation. And you were like a lot of coaches. It's about the process. And uh, is that a little scary? Because y'all need some um, y'all going to need to flip the switch a little bit here. Yeah, I think, Kevin, you know me, (laughs) you know me from way back. And, yeah, you can see it. You know, I kind of felt that last night, you know, Um, you know, I thought we were, you know, sometimes I. I think we're ahead of where we are, you know, and I think our coaching staff is doing a great job. And then all of a sudden we get a little bit ahead of ourselves and forget that, you know, they don't have that playing time. And we've got to maybe go back to the drawing board and start, you know, start and be a little bit slower and making sure that we're doing all the little things. You know, we're asking them to do the little things, but as coaches, sometimes you got to do the little things in practice to get them comfortable with it and all that. So, yeah, it's kind of, uh, it's always kind of like part of it, you know, it's like, you want to be confident in what you're doing and what the team is doing, but sometimes it, they're not there yet, you know. So hopefully we, you know, I think it's going to be a process. You know, it might be an up and down uh, conference season, but, you know, our goal really is to, you know, toward the end of that tournament, to can, can, you, can you win that tournament, you know. And that's going to be a big goal of ours this year. All right, one more thing before we let you go, Coach. Um, 
the conference. I know you've been focusing on getting your team better and through the first 12 games, but what are is your impressions of what the conference, who are going to be the teams to beat and all changed any since Sunbelt Media Day, or what does that look like? Yeah, I, mean, I, think, I think James Madison might be. I mean, they've been playing really well, man. I think uh, I think they're going to be tough. They got a guard that can really, really score, and she's you know been Player of the Week quite a few times. And you know, and I, I knew Old Dominion would be pretty good. I heard they have, you know, I mean, they got some size and all that, so that could cause a problem. Uh, and you know, Troy's going to be Troy. You know, they they're doing a pretty good job. But you know, I mean, I think it's wide open. University, I mean, Southern Miss is pretty good too. You know, so. I'm telling you what, it's going to be a lot tougher. You know, you got those 18 games. There ain't going to be no walk, you know, cakewalk. You're going to have to be ready pretty much every night, you know, and especially the way the travel is going to be. But it's going to be like that for everybody, you know. I think we're going to see some upsets as as we go down the, in the, into the conference season. All righty, Coach. Well, we appreciate your time. As always, Merry Christmas to you and your family, and hopefully the team can uh, come back and refresh and ready to go. All right. I appreciate you, Kevin. Merry Christmas to all Cajun Nation and your family and yourself, man. We really appreciate you. Go Cajuns. Thank you very much. UL women's basketball coach Gary Broadhead will take a timeout. Come back on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and the Houston Astros. Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foot on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers. World champion Houston Astros. Want to remind you, uh, we've only got, what, not many days left. Christmas is Sunday. But if you want to really get into the Christmas spirit and you haven't done so just yet, you can listen to all your favorite Christmas classics or local Cajun Christmas songs on the Louisiana Christmas Channel, nonstop Christmas music. 24-7 on the Louisiana Christmas Channel. You can listen live on your L- at LACHristmasChannel.com or download the free mobile app on both your app- Apple and Android devices and listen on your Amazon Alexa. So, listen, holiday cheer 24-7 with the Louisiana Christmas Channel. All right, so it's National Signing Day and... I'm about to head down to Shreveport to um, go see what Coach Dez and the, and the coordinators have to say about the signing class when it becomes totally official. But one of the things that's very interesting about the current climate of recruiting is that High school kids are being pinched out. Now, not all high school kids, obviously, but high school kids are not being signed in the numbers that they were before because of the transfer portal. And, you know, you've got a certain, you don't have many, but you have certain programs like Texas State most recently that kind of went on a. They just basically got rid of high school recruiting. Not 100%, but pretty close. And they just started filling up their program with transfers. That's a scary proposition. And and Coach Des, Mike has just been really adamant. Now, I mean, some of it was it wasn't that long ago he was a high school coach. I think that's a little bit of it, but I, I, don't, I don't know that that's a majority. I think he just believes in building your program 
through high school players. And and he talked about he talks about that all the time, but especially you know in press conferences and out. But this past week, last week when we had a a, a presser, he he talked about the Jamal Bell situation as just an example, you know, of a kid who signed. He had initial success. Jamal had like I don't know, it was like ten catches for one hundred ten or thirteen yards or something. Uh, in, in one of his first games three years ago against Mississippi State in the Superdome. And, and and it hasn't really worked out. And at that point, it was high hopes for him. It hasn't really worked out. And yet, he stuck with the program. And he, uh, you know, he had a nice 30-yard catch at Florida State. He blocked a punt against Troy. And he remained part of the program. And, and um Coach Dez is is going on and on about how special this team is and the connection this team has. And he thinks you get a lot of that by signing high school players as opposed to transfer portal guys who are coming in already. Sometimes transfer portal guys need to go in the transfer portal. And Coach Dez admits that. But so many of them just, when the going gets tough, they head out, and if you build your program with, with all transfers or mostly transfers, it's going to be hard to, for a team to stick through the tough spots like this year's team did. I mean, things weren't looking that great. You know, four, five, six games into the Cajun season, it doesn't look like they were going to be playing in the New Orleans in the uh, Independence Bowl on Friday, you know, halfway through the season. But the team stuck together, and they talked about it over and over again. So – it's not just that you're looking for talent in these signing classes. You're looking for guys who are going to fit into your system. Uh, and I, I think Coach Dez says as long as he's here, he's not going to abandon the high school um, avenues of building a program. And so I think that's you know, pretty important and, and, and something that he's maintained throughout the process when not all the schools around the country uh, have done that for sure. So we, um, I think it's a good move, and the high school coaches want to hear that for sure. All right, that'll do it. We are going to get on the road and head to Shreveport. And um, two days closer, so we'll see what happens in the Independence Bowl. Appreciate all the phone calls, and um, you all have a nice day.